Welcome to episode 276 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. I'm Michael. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jill. On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going to be giving our take on the latest Ubuntu 22.04 LTS releases and including the flavors. We're going to talk about which ones we liked, if we had any issues and that sort of thing. Then we're also going to be discussing some impressive news from the KDE team with KDE Plasma mobile enhancements. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, software picks, and all this and so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. So last week, I talked about the changes that we were making to the network, becoming Tux Digital and the work that I've been doing on TuxDigital.com. For those who didn't hear the news, Destination Linux Network is becoming Tux Digital and with a lot of awesome changes that are happening. So if you want more details, check out last week's episode to, check, to, to find out more information about the announcement for that. But let's talk this week to Jill about what she's been up to. So Jill, what have you been up to this week? So this week... I was actually going to talk about the new computer I'm building, but I ran into, honestly, a bit of a quandary. Seems that I, I can't choose the case unless I know the size of the GPU I will be using, but the GPU I get will depend on the size of the case. <laughs> it can be that makes sense. Egg. That makes sense. Yes, exactly. So I've decided to put it to a vote here on the show. Yes, Michael Ryan and our wonderful Destination Linux view viewers can help pick my next build. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. Help Yay. Jill build a new computer. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, something very important, I want to make sure to ask Ryan's daughter which pink case she likes best, because oh. that's very important to me. I want to make sure she likes it. Oh, that is <laughs> going to make her day. So for those who don't know, Jill has become a phenom, not only for you all, but in my family as well. My daughter adores Jill, and when we're going shopping or anything else... <laughs> If there's anything pink, pink mouse, pink keyboard, she's like, Jill, take a picture, send it to Jill, send it to Jill. So she will love helping you pick out a pink case. That's awesome. Yay. So I have three sizes of very unique pink cases, one mini ITX case and two micro ATX mid tower cases. Very nice. And this first one is very cute. It's a little cube, a little mini ITX cube. This like is that. the Ragin Tech Metis Plus Series cube-shaped case. And it supports, as you can tell by its size, only a GPU up to, up to 170 millimeters in length. So it won't support an RX 6800 or a RX 6900 until the mini ones come out. Yeah. <laughs> so this is kind so. of funny because I had the visuals right here ready to go to show people what they're what these are but you already yeah. have all of these cases apparently yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to surprise you <laughs> she just bought them all uh actually a couple of these cases i've had for over a year i just kind of when i see a really cool one i like i grab it from amazon or newegg and because I, I i will use it for a future build at some time nice right <laughs> So this next one, actually, I'm going to show you, is one of my favorites. That is very pink. This one is, and look at the feet. It's very 60s modern. Yeah, that's cool. 
I love the the shade of pink and and the 60s modern look. But unfortunately, this one won't fit the new three fan RX 6800s and 6900s. <laughs> so I have to wait for a smaller card for this one too. But it's still my personal fa- favorite and I would be willing to wait. <laughs> yeah. so, it's amazing this that one. this is an issue because the cards have gotten so massive and so yeah. big. And I have the Leon Lee TU-150 Mini ITX build. And when I tell you I barely fit the 6800 in there, I mean, I was, there is no room. The back of the card was scraping against the front of the case just a little bit to get it in. And there's not an ounce of extra space that could be taken up with it. And these cards are just massive now. They're size of many computers themselves. Exactly. And I know your little lunchbox is, is you had to do some modifications to it. Absolutely. (laughs) And the last one is a case that is bigger, uh, much longer in length. So that one I can fit the newer cards. But of the three cases, it's the one I like the least because it's more mundane looking. (laughs) It's not as cool, but it's not as bright pink and in your face. I like it. Correct. Yeah, let's see. Let's see this mundane, plain person case for plebs. It's pink, Jill. What do you mean it's not in your face? That is pink <laughs> as pink can be. No, it's still a really, really nice case, and it's, it's got cute. three one hundred twenty millimeter fans. It's 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 nice. It's just more of a standard design. Yeah, and it does have the the nice uh, glass window. Which it's very I nice like. looking case. It is. It's it is actually really classy and that's why I grabbed it and it's nice and big. <laughs> yeah. I think we should also comment on how strong Jill is. Do you notice she lifts these cases without any problem at all into the air? <laughs> yeah. Jill has no problem lifting all yeah. these heavy things for I feel like this is almost like a pseudo treasure hunt in a way. It's just <laughs> yeah, with modern kind of. hardware, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's been a quandary because, yeah, the minis haven't come out yet, but I'm going to be patient. I could be patient and wait for those for the smaller cases. And I have other cards. I have a a mini 580 I could put in there temporarily. Yeah, I also uh, definitely at some point want to get want to get a um, NVIDIA RTX 3070. Uh, They actually have those already as smaller cards, two fan cards that'll fit in the cases. But for my broadcasting rig, which is, this is what's going to become, I want AMD all the way. <laughs> so. yeah. That's a good, it's a good thing to go AMD all the way right now, just for the compatibility standpoint and not having yeah. to mess with drivers and stuff out there uh, to deal with. It's interesting you saying you're waiting on the mini versions, you know, with the yeah. supply chain issues that we've had. You're seeing a lot less of these specialty type cars. Normally, we'd have had minis already out there and all kinds of variations. But because of the supply chain issue, you may not see these for a while. And that supply chain issue is supposed to go on through 2024, although we've seen relief in the GPU area recently quite a bit. So hopefully, we'll start seeing some of the specialized cards come out. But there's no guarantee. You may be sitting on that pink case empty for a while. For I, I might just... You know, my RX 580 Mini might just stay here for a while. <laughs> there you go. So. Yep. Still a good video card, yeah. As but, far as yeah, the cases that... go, there's some interesting comments in the live chat. For those who don't know, we stream this show live every Sunday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And BitShitty in the chat says, technically, I'd mm-hmm. go for the third one, but the coolness factor is for the second one. Yeah. And another great Aww. comment is that you should fuse them together and make a monster case. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would Solder be awesome. them all together. 
And it would be cool to have the all three different colors of pink together because I, I like the small little cube because it's uh, metallic pink. It's really unique metallic pink. Yeah. <laughs> but one I like could hold your GPU, yeah. and then yeah. one could be for your motherboard and processor. Exactly. Like the other one could be your storage. That's a good idea. <laughs> yes. Fuse it all. <laughs> So, Jill, how are people going to vote? Leave their comments in the in the YouTube, leave their comments in our discourse forums, and let us yeah. know which case you like the most. And that will be the one that Jill will pick. Yes. And then my daughter's vote, of course, gets way above. It, it gets it, like 30 points. You yes, know. So, absolutely. yeah. Uh, seems a bit unfair. More like 50. But, uh, <laughs> it's right. not unfair. Okay. All right, more awesome. like 50. And I yeah, have a feeling go. she's going to like the second one because the pink on that one is just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing you're right there. Well, <laughs> awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Jill. Yeah. Leave a Yay. comment in the YouTube comments. Also on the forum, we'll have a link to the forum thread in the show notes. But before we move on uh, to the community feedback, I wanted to do a quick little thing, you know, something that I've been working on as well. Just a quick you know, what you've been up to sort of thing. And for those who don't know, Ryan creates a lot of great videos on his channel on privacy and security. And the thing I like about the most about your videos, Ryan, is that you address the topic of privacy while keeping the content approachable and provide reasonable solutions rather than some channels out there that just tell the viewer some absurd things to do that people are not usually willing to do. Tinfoil hat. Right. Yeah. So privacy is important, but also balancing it with convenience is just as important. This is why I like your videos and why I appreciate them. Now, with that said, Alexa, play Destination Linux. Playing Destination Linux from Amazon Music. Here's the latest episode, 275, Save the Floppy in Jill's Treasure Hunt. Welcome to episode number 275 of Destination Linux. I'm ashamed of you, Michael. I am so ashamed of you. Why do you have that spy listening, creepy device in your home? Have you learned nothing from my videos? The, the funny thing about this is that, hold on a second. Alexa, cancel. Okay. So the thing that's funny about this is that I purchased this Echo Dot thing about five years ago, and I never took it out of the box. Yeah, that's where it should have that, remained. That's, that's my normal thing anyway. But um, I just decided to kind of play with it, and I thought it'd be kind of cool if I could make it do that for people who do want to use Alexa and stuff like that. So did you program something to make it do Destination Linux? Like no, actually, it was pretty easy. I just told, I just set up the podcast on Amazon Music, and it worked fine. And that's, that's how it works. I also got it for the other shows, Hardware Addicts and Pseudo Show and Linux Out Loud, and all the other ones are also on the sh on the. You can use that for your Echo Dots and whatnots. All right, do me a favor, Michael, and for everybody out there with an Amazon Echo mm -hmm. device or any of these things, they're very fun. They do lots of cool things. I know why people are interested in them. Just unplug it when you're done using it. So when you wake yeah. up in the morning, come in your room, you could plug it in, have it play you some music and then unplug it because the privacy invasiveness of an Amazon Echo is out of this world. There's new articles this week, in fact, about the fact that they're taking stuff that you're saying and they're listening to it and they're selling your advertising and stuff on it. So while I'm not a tinfoil hat privacy person, that particular device belongs in the garbage. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very cool that it plays Destination Linux. I mean, but, I'll give it so points for cool. that. It get it gets one point for that and negative a <laughs> thousand for everything else. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, for those who are curious, I told Ryan that I had a, something a surprise for him. That I also told him he will be annoyed by heart it. Hurts. So, heart hurts. So, <laughs> so I yeah. think I I was successful in that. 
my team at work does the same thing to me. I'll be in a meeting and like they'll randomly ask their, because they know I hate these type of devices. They'll randomly ask their devices questions that I ask and I'm like to answer them. I'm like, you guys know I don't want to hear that crap. I hate those things. <laughs> Pretty funny. Well played, That's Michael. Awesome. Well played. Now throw Aww. it in the garbage, please. For God's sakes. I'll probably, I'll probably put it back in the box now that the joke's That's over, where it cause... belongs. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So in our community feedback this week, which is quite funny that you did that because we didn't know Michael was doing that, is uh, somebody praising us, specifically me, for the EFF stuff. So, mm-hmm. geez, Michael, way to really silo our privacy. I'm No, I'm getting variety <laughs> for the content, Ryan. It's just variety. That's it. If you want to send your feedback about Michael's Echo and why he should have never unboxed it, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact. To get in touch with us or on the DLN forum, you can give him a good, what did they say in the UK? Like a good um, flap jawing or something? You I have give, no idea. You could really. <laughs> I mean, there's the about. term chin wag, but I think that's just conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can give him a really good chin wagon on the dlnforum.com about his Amazon Echo device. I have no idea where you're going yeah. with that. I wish Zeb was here. You know, Zeb would be able to have given me a good one there. Probably. But Tyler writes us to say, I wanted to drop you guys a line. I really have enjoyed your shows ever since I came across them. Thanks to the Hackaday podcast. So thank mm-hmm. you, Hackaday podcast, for talking about Destination Linux. Yeah, awesome. really appreciate that. I listen to the shows on my endless 200 plus mile round trip to and from work. I, I felt like I read that wrong. 200 plus mile round trip to and from work. A lot of traveling. I'm glad we keep you entertained for that long of a trip. I would not want that commute. I recently was trying to reference something from one of the episodes and watch part of the show on YouTube, which I never do as I'm driving most times. Seems unsafe. You would be correct. You should have seen the ridiculous smile that came across my face when I saw Ryan wearing an EFF shirt. I truly salute all the hosts dedicated to open source and digital rights, Michael, EFF does seem truly amazing work and also has a great podcast called How to Fix the Internet. EFF does do absolutely amazing work. You can see some of the stickers and things. I support them every year. You can get shirts. You can get stickers uh, supporting them. But they're just one of my favorite organizations. And that doesn't mean everything EFF does I 100% agree with. It's just the overall fight and the things that EFF has done as a whole is absolutely amazing. Because I've seen people out there like pick a certain thing that EFF supported that they didn't like. And I don't think there's an organization out there that's going to be 100% perfect. Right. But I think yeah. EFF has done far more good for the world than than many organizations. And I absolutely adore them. I support them every year. They're, yeah. they're amazing. Yeah, the EFF is fantastic. And also, just so everyone knows, I purchased that before we even started doing this show. So I, I just left it in the box for years. And when I realized <laughs> I could mess with Ryan with it, well, that's why it came out of the box. Yeah, not because I, opportunity. it's not to, it's, I, I still support the EFF and digital rights people. <laughs> yeah. What we could do is you could bring it to Georgia and we could use it as a shotgun clay. So we can pull and then just explode there it in the go. air. That would make that, an amazing that's an video. Option. That's an option. Yes. Alexa, tell me about this. Boom. Uh, They go on to say, I would guess y'all already know about such things. Another random thought, the show you guys did on what open source means, freedom versus beer, or freedom versus free beer, etc. I think I heard it on the pseudo show, but I may be misquoting. The way they explained it really made something click with me, even though I have been supporting open source since the days of DOS 5 and QBasic. They said, think of it as in 
freedom to modify or freedom to do as you want with your code or device. I think the pseudo show nailed that topic. Yep. Mm-hmm. They have just a fantastic discussion. If you're not subscribed to Pseudo Show, you need to be. It's such a fantastic podcast out there. But they did one of the best jobs, I think, explaining this topic than anybody else I've heard. So if you're confused about those terms or want to get the insight, go check out Pseudo Show. Just absolutely amazing. P.S. Who else found nibbles and gorillas hidden in DOS when they were kids? Jill? Oh, yes. I definitely did. Uh, I actually remember playing gorillas with my brother and launching bananas at him because you play as two gorillas and you launch bananas at each other in a cityscape. And I actually also spent lots of time playing nibbles.bass. You know, nibbles is a, is actually a simple variant of the snake video game, which yep. I spent hours playing on the Atari 2600. Too many hours here. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and like Gorilla.Bass, both those games were used to demonstrate the QBasic programming language. They came originally with MS-DOS version 5.0 and above. So I spent a lot of years playing those games. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool stuff. We got lots of great feedback on your latest treasure hunt, Jill, and talking about floppies and people reminiscing on some of the old programs out there. Uh, They finish (laughs) off with, thank you all so much for helping me get through the last couple of years. The last six months in particular have been extra dark for me and you guys bring the light every single episode. I love this email. Thank you for letting us know. I'm so glad. I I love hearing, number one, that it helps people get through their commutes and things. As somebody who commuted very long distances as well for the first half of my career, I was just looking for anything that could keep me awake going to work and coming home because I'd have to leave ultra early and spend hours in the car sitting in traffic and those things. So that's amazing by itself. And I hope that those dark times are going away and everything is happy and good now. And I'm just happy to know that the show brings you some joy out there. That makes us very happy. Yeah. And, and Tyler, thank you so much for the feedback. I'm, I'm sorry you've been having a hard time and I hope everything is getting better, like Ryan said. And I'm happy to know that we've been able to help you along the way. I mean, doing this show for me is one of the bright points of my week. And it warms my heart to know that doing this show helps people in, in, for, in just the content and also just... You know, you had get to have fun with us when we have fun on this show. It's a bright point because of me, Michael, right? Oh, mostly. I mean, say. like if you were to do a percentage between the bright point that Jill <laughs> brings to your life and the bright point of me, I feel like we would be practically even, you know? Oh, yes. Let's yes. pretend like that's 50, true. 50. Let's pretend that's true. Perfect. Oh, and hugs and love to Tyler. Yes. Thank you, Tyler. That's an awesome so email. In the feedback, Tyler mentioned the game's gorillas and nibbles. And speaking of nibbles, whether you're a beginner to cloud computing or just want to Mm -hmm. nibble or maybe want a four-course meal, DigitalOcean has all the great recipes for working in the cloud. Well done, Michael. I'm just... That transition, sir. Woohoo! gosh. (laughs) This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure, it really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building your world-changing apps that grow your business. And with DigitalOcean, you get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. 
Also with DigitalOcean, you get support at every stage of growth. Whether your team is of one person or a team of a thousand people, with DigitalOcean, you get simple, powerful cloud computing so you can get growing at DigitalOcean. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. Again, that's do.co slash tux2022. So get started right now with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform where they have all the best recipes for the cloud at do.co slash tux2022. And want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. So this week, all of us hosts have been very busy using Ubuntu, the Ubuntu 22.04 long-term support release dropped recently, and we decided it was time to take a deeper look at the Ubuntu flavors and provide our impressions and thoughts of them. So we split up the the flavors so that we would each have time to give them a proper looking over. So Ryan took Zubuntu and Ubuntu Budgie. Michael Mm. took Ubuntu Studio and Kubuntu. And I grabbed up Ubuntu Mate and Lubuntu. So Ryan, what was your experience with Zubuntu? So I started my Linux journey, what, five years ago, utilizing an Ubuntu-based distribution. And XFCE specifically was the first desktop environment that I came across and absolutely fell in love with. And so for me, it was like I knew I was going to be in love just looking at XFCE. Mm -hmm. Looking at XFCE anywhere is instantly going to give me those feelings of five years ago when I first started this journey into Linux. Knew nothing. Didn't know the difference between a desktop environment and the underlying distro. Didn't really know what a kernel was. None of this stuff. And so... (laughs) It was really fun to boot up Zubuntu and take a look at the things that they've done in this latest release. First of all, the really nice wallpaper that they have that greets you when you first come in there. Modern looking, which I know some people have some critiques of XFCE over not looking modern enough, but this particular wallpaper definitely had this modern look to it. Lots of purples and a few shapes in there. You didn't feel like you were booting into something old or outdated. Uh, It was very simple and welcoming. There's also some beautiful wallpapers in their selection. One specifically is like a watercolor of a girl on a countryside. And it is just absolutely stunning. Really nice wallpaper selection there. It was interesting when you go through the download that you have an option, of course, your torrent option like everything else. And then you have your mirror option. And this takes you to another site, which is like a lease web to download the ISO. And then, you know, in there, it will have a list of files, which I think for new users is a little confusing because they're just a list of files with like ARM64, you know, in those different variations and no explanation of what they are. And I'm sure they're doing that because this site is hosting this for free. But it's it's a lot more confusing than when I tried Budgie. If you go to Budgie, for instance, they're also using a third-party site, cdimage.ubuntu.com, but... You just click the link on Ubuntu and immediately starts downloading it. It doesn't have this kind of random page with a bunch of files and things in there. So that's one thing I think from a new user experience only that could be improved for the download experience with the Zubuntu. But one of the things that I thought was really unique with Zubuntu is that automatically found my wireless G903, which is a mouse that I use, Logitech G903 here. It's a very, very nice mouse out there and it is wireless capability and being able to see in the status bar 
the battery life for this mouse, I thought was a really cool touch that I wasn't expecting mm -hmm. to see in the desktop environment. I, I don't know what else to say other than I absolutely love Zubuntu XFCE specifically. And so if you put XFCE in anywhere, I'm going to probably fall in love with it. But there were some little bugs and issues and things that I ran across that we could get into. So I'm curious, but for, before we get to that, I'm, I'm curious what your experience was with uh, 4K, because we both got recently, not recently, but relatively recently, we both got 4K monitors. And that was one of the things that I ran into when I was doing my testing. So I'm and I didn't get a chance to try Zubuntu. So what was your experience with uh, 4K on Zubuntu? This was a problem. Um, this was a problem actually across all of the flavors except vanilla Ubuntu. So we, I have two 4K monitors, I have one 2K monitor. And so it is a more complex setup. And when I tried to move the primary monitor around and change scaling, there were issues where the monitors would start to overlap each other in the graphic mm -hmm. when you're trying to move things around and I couldn't pull them apart. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I went back to different versions of scaling and things like that. And it just, it didn't seem to be scaling right with the 4k monitors. This was also an issue in Ubuntu Budgie that I ran into where the scaling was messed up. So it's interesting to me that scaling is still such a big issue in the Ubuntu distros because I don't run into that with Endeavor OS, which is what I ended up installing afterwards. I didn't run into it with OpenSUSE and I didn't run into it with Fedora. But I not only installed these in a virtual machine, I also installed these on the bare metal. So I mm -hmm. thought, well, maybe it's something, you know, with the ISO or in a virtual, but no, it happens on bare metal as well. So there's some issues with 4K scaling that needs to be worked out. It seems to be worked out in the Ubuntu vanilla version, the GNOME version, but it's not in the flavors. Well, my experience with Kubuntu is that it does have a, a solution for the 4K, but it requires you to do a global scaling, not an individual monitor scaling. Now, if you, you can do that on Wayland. So if you have uh, AMD hardware or Intel hardware, then the scaling on the regular Ubuntu proper uses the Wayland thing. I don't know how, how that would work or if it does work. It, I don't think it would because of X not having the individual controls that way. But with Plasma, you can kind of do a global scale for both of your monitors at the same time. So they kind of they do have a solution in Kubuntu because of the way that Plasma works. So I think I think there's a couple of dist of the flavors that do have some addressing of it. But based on my experience, I also say that there is a a lot of issues with the 4K approach. But also that's kind of true with all the other operating systems. None of them are great, mm -hmm. right? But this was particularly yeah. not. Fantastic. In fact, at one point, my entire system locked up when I was moving oh, wow. to some of the scaling. And so there's there's something there that's a problem with the flavors that the scaling's just not quite working correctly. Yeah, the, you, you mentioned how you were using Ubuntu Budgie. And I want to talk about that because I, I like Ubuntu Budgie. I think that they're a very interesting distribution. I really like the out-of-the-box experience. It looks nice. It, oh, it has yeah, some really so cool good. functionality. Mm -hmm. it's pretty. The, the tiling is really cool. Like there's, I'm curious what you think about, like what was your experience with Ubuntu Budgie? So I was assigned Ubuntu Studio and Kubuntu. I also wanted to play with Ubuntu Budgie, so I did. Just because. So, yeah, just because. So <laughs> yes. I, I also have an opinion about that. But first... What was your experience with Ubuntu Budgie? 
So the first experience is I boot into the ISO and it gave me this gray menu bar at the top that was blank in a black screen. And it did this for quite a long time. I actually got a call for work while it was happening because I was trying to figure out like why it got stuck and why it wasn't loading. And I went and took the call and came back and then Budgie was loaded. So I don't know what caused that, but I was, if that call hadn't happened, I was just going to reboot my machine and try to go into it again. So that I think was interesting. But I noticed that Budgie has a, once I was loaded in an absolute beautiful welcome screen, I adore the ability to add workspaces, take quick notes right from the status bar. Like they've got all these cool tools and widgets and things that you can add in. Um, they have cool tools like Budgie arm configuration tool. So if you're wanting to run it on arm or your Raspberry Pi and things, they've got these cool tools that allow you to kind of play and configure with that. The window shuffler, I think, is one of the most innovative parts of Budgie right now. Window shuffler for those who love tiling and things. Yeah, it's cool. It's so well done. It's so simple to use. If you're one of those people who have tried tiling before, like an i3 or something advanced like that, and you're like, this just isn't for me, try window shuffler because it's one of the absolute best implementations from a new user being able to utilize or experienced user, but a new user's initial experience with window tiling because it's so well laid out and it's so well explained. Like when you go into it, it immediately tells you a full list of all of the window shortcuts to move your windows around in those things. You can set up different uh, profiles for your windows to open in certain ways. It's just, it's really nicely done. There's a nice suite of pre-installed apps, but again, 4K absolutely destroyed my budgie experience because the scaling was broke and it was broke to the point where I could not use the main menu at all. And so in this case, when I would click on the main menu, it would open up only a quarter of the actual menu and you couldn't see anything inside of it, but maybe oh. the first one or two icons in there. So it completely destroyed having a menu at all. And this was all in scaling. And I tried to downscale it and re-up upscale it, but that menu remained broken the entire time. And this is a full install and bare metal. That's a big problem there. So there's just seems to be a real underlying problem with scaling in Ubuntu flavors. Again. Yeah, it does seem like an, an issue that needs to be addressed. And I, I do think that for those who are not sure why we are putting some emphasis on the 4K, when you get a 4K monitor and you have a distribution or a DE that supports 4K, it is game changing it makes the experience so much better because there are, there's, you know, you wouldn't think that it just a little bit more pixels would make much of a difference, especially on the same size screen, but it does. And having the scaling does have a factor because it just makes everything be able to see, but you still get to keep all of your pixel resolution. Whereas if you lower the resolution, which I did have that same issue with the menu on the, on a bunch budgie, when I did do the scaling, and in order to fix that, I had to downscale to 1440p, and it worked at that point, but it also meant that I had less pixels to deal with in terms of my workflow. And once you get used to having a lot of pixels, it, it did feel like I was missing something when I did when I went to 1440p. So I, I hope that this is a helpful guide for the Ubuntu family to work on improving the 4K experience because... I think that was, in terms of Ubuntu Budgie, that was really one of the, that's like the only thing that stopped me from using it because I do think it's a fantastic distribution. 
And otherwise, it's just so absolutely gorgeous. Ubuntu Budgie, like logging into it, you, you feel like you're in the future of a desktop environment. Yeah, it, it's just, I love it. Too. It's absolutely <laughs> beautiful. But the bugs like that really can take away from the experience. Like there was one point where I was right clicking on the menu button. It didn't do anything. And all of a sudden, a parsing error popped up. And then Nemo desktop failed unexpectedly. And these things. So it, I was really surprised. I'll tell you. We'll, we'll get into the conclusions later, but one of the surprises was the amount of bugs I was running into with Ubuntu because that is very unlike Ubuntu in my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, speaking of 4K, I found I fi found that Ubuntu Mate has done a beautiful job with uh, 4K and uh, high DPI scaling. Because you're on 4K too, right, Jill? Yeah, correct. So right now I've got a 4K, big 43-inch 4K uh, monitor. Um, and then I have two 30-inch uh, mon monitors and vertical on the side that are 1080. And Ubuntu Mate, is, has, they have their mate tweak for high DPI scaling. And I have it set to auto-detect. And it... It just worked. <laughs> it just worked. And it's great for me also because the font sizes increase. And because I'm half blind, it makes it a lot easier for me to see the screen. So I've actually heard this nice. uh, through the community that out of all the Ubuntu flavors, Mate mm -hmm. was just a fantastic release this, around, this time yeah. around. I mean, it's always a fantastic release, but especially... A lot Especially of people who one. love the Ubuntu flavors talking about how good Mate was this this time around. So I'm a little sad that you got Mate and I didn't, Jill, because it sounds like your experience was a little <laughs> yeah. more fine-tuned than mine. Oh, yeah. well, I think you gave it to me because I'm using it right now on my broadcasting rig. <laughs> yes, yeah. Eh, that helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you had a seamless 4K experience, which is different yeah. than I had in Ubuntu and Budgie, which Absolutely. is awesome. What are some of the other things yeah. you liked? Like you, Ryan, I loved the new jammy jellyfish uh, wallpaper for Ubuntu Mate. It's a beautiful uh, green jellyfish and with kind of uh, pixelated. So he's bit. stealing Dos Geek yeah. colors, Martin Wimpy. Yes, he is. Unbelievable, Martin. Well, he's, Unbelievable. It's green, green and white and gray. Just yeah, because I totally had green before Mate. Yeah, no one else uses yeah. green other than yeah, Ryan. Other than me. Amazing. Yeah. Can't believe oh, it. Oh yeah, the jellyfish is 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 tessellated. It looks like it looks like a uh, triangle polygons. So yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it's that's really cool. cool. And I noticed that the Ubuntu Mate welcome window actually loads a lot even faster, which is really great because sometimes that would take a second to load when you after you first install and run it. And I love how easy it is to change desktop layouts and theming in Ubuntu Mate. That's been true ever for many releases releases, but this one in particular, especially because it has the new Yaru, Yaru theming, which is really a standout. You've got dark, light and dark modes now and all the accent color var varieties. And I, of course, immediately chose the new Yaru Mate dark theme because I like the the green accents. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's really nice. I like how Ubuntu Mate does that layout switcher thing. That is very yes. cool. So if you don't like the default Mate, you can change it up to be whatever you want. And there's a lot of presets. And it's just yeah. really slick. You, I think, I'm pretty sure you can create your own custom preset. You can move things around and then save Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That's that's yeah. even that's even cooler. I, I do I do that and make my own uh, custom and kind of mix two together and make my own custom. And the fact that it's on the welcome screen uh, for new users to that's cool. to learn how to do not only their customizations with the desktop but the theming 
and the ability to uh, choose your internet browsers. Like now in the software boutique, and this also shows up in the welcome screen, the Firefox ESR.deb has been added to the, the browser uh, ballot. So you don't have to use the snap then. Correct. Very yes. nice. Unless you want to use the latest version of Firefox, yeah. then you do need to use a snap. You then you the need, snap. yeah. Which takes forever snap. to load. That's, yeah. Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> it not I tested it on every distro flavor that I tried. And <laughs> it's like 10, 15 seconds. That is not a good showcase mm. for snaps. Like they yeah. should just put that as a flat pack and move on. The other wonderful thing I like about Ubuntu Mate is the Magnus screen magnifier. I think it's a brilliant addition to uh, Mate. I've been using it for quite some time and they've, you know, cleaned up some of the bugs with it. And it's just the Ubuntu Mate, one reason I love it so much is it it has a very clean light and a very thematic desktop. And it's really great for beginners and advanced users alike. Yeah. And the desktop, it just all flows together. The graphic design people are wonderful. And um, as I said, I'm using it right now on my broadcasting rig to do the show. <laughs> yep. yep. Jill, you're making us want to try Ubuntu Mate. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah. Now I'm jealous. <laughs> Jill, got, Jill got a much better experience, uh, it sounds like, with Mate. Yeah. So I'm very jelly. <laughs> Next time I get Mate. Period. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool features in Ubuntu Mate that we that they they've had for a while, but I wanted to just highlight one. Uh, you know the the HUD system that was in Ubuntu mm-hmm. Unity, that yeah. is in inside of they have it in a more of like localized HUD structure, but the fact that they even have it at all in Ubuntu Mate is super cool. And mm-hmm. uh, I think people should check that out just to kind of play around and how that see how that works. Uh, but Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play with Ubuntu Mate this go around, but I did get to play with another flavor of of Ubuntu that is fantastic and arguably might be one of my favorites in general, and that is Kubuntu. So Kubuntu Shocking. 2204 <laughs> is as, as awesome as I expected. Therefore, no further information is needed. Everything was buggy and broken. What, Michael? Is that what that happened with KDE? What That's I shocking. Said. That's not the Kubuntu team's that, fault. That's just KDE. Uh, that is not what I said. I'm teasing. Kubuntu is fantastic. The only issue I had was the 4K monitor thing because you have to re, you have to install the system before you can make the changes because when you make the change on the live USB, you have to, it has to be restarted in order for those to take effect. So for those who you know would, would try to change it on the live, they wouldn't be able to notice that until they installed it. Now, why is that important? Because people might think, well, that's just a live USB. Who cares? But it's important because Very. you can't see the windows when you're trying to install things. So you have to be able to set the yes. proper resolution yeah. for you to be able to see the installation screens and things. So it is a big deal that it's a problem on the bootable ISO. I just want to make that clear because I could see right. people thinking, well, you didn't install it on bare metal. It's kind of hard to when the displays aren't showing properly. Yeah. The boxes can be like this big. I had to lean into the monitor to see everything that I was clicking on. And uh, so to fix that in the live USB, I just lowered the resolution of my monitor so I could still see stuff. And then I could do an installation. But that sort of thing is kind of an issue in terms of... That's why I was so uh, excited to see that when, when Jill talked about the auto-detecting of the high DPI, very cool to see. And hopefully more distros will adopt that. And I, yeah. I also like the fact that KDE Discover Software Store, it defaults to Debs rather than Snaps. So, oh, personally, mm-hmm. I like that's that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. 
And overall, the experience of Kubuntu is solid. I, I enjoyed it. I had, Even if it was horrific and his computer was on fire, he would still be like, no, guys, it's amazing. It's KDE. Yeah, yeah, this is I'm okay. <laughs> trying to put out I am a fire. Little biased. It's still good. I'm a little biased, but little t- t- it's not my fault. You assigned me Kubuntu. It's That's true. your fault. It's true. But I, I, I suppose that it, it isn't surprising that I enjoyed Kubuntu because it is kind of like in my top five favorite distros in general. Yeah. So I, I, fair enough. But at the same time, it is great. Therefore, it's okay that I'm a little biased about it. <laughs> and you got to try Ubuntu Studio, which I absolutely yes. adore Ubuntu Studio mm-hmm. and the work they do there. How did that go in comparison? Ubuntu Studio had a very good ex- uh, experience similar to Kubuntu. Uh, I, I do think it would be fun to explore all the advanced audio stuff more. I didn't really have enough time to kind of dig into all of that stuff because I didn't understand half of it. So it was That's a little... That's fair. That's fair. So all that stuff, mm-hmm. if you're not an audio engineer, you're going to look at like, what? Yeah, yeah it was cool. And I, the stuff I did know, like QJack control and that sort of stuff and Carla... I did play around with those things and see the experience and having that out of the box was really nice. I mean, I did feel like I was missing some pipe wire functionality here and there, but overall, the stuff that Jack could do thanks to the Ubuntu Studio team making it making it out of the box possible mm-hmm. was fantastic. So I could do similar stuff that I've gotten used to now, but I also noticed there was a lot more stuff that I had no ability to understand what was going on that I probably could dig into more to find the different values because I know Jack did it prompt you for pipe wire switch Mm -hmm. like did it ask you to switch over to pipe wire or anything in the installation no but that's mostly because Ubuntu doesn't really have pipe wire functionality yet so like but you can use pipe wire you just have to do it manually it's just because like for instance Garuda will ask you you do you want to switch to pipe wire Garuda will ask you but the problem is is that Ubuntu and the Debian family don't have proper deployment of pipe wire so certain things don't work so if you switch to pipe wire you actually might break some things and that's not because of pipe wire that's just because they didn't implement it correctly at least that's my understanding of it and that's why i just use the jack tools inside of ubuntu studio but i also think it's worth noting that it's really cool that the ubuntu studio team created this ubuntu studio installer to be able to install all of those benefits inside of the other flavors of ubuntu now this only works in the official flavors not derivatives but it's very cool that they made this as a possibility for those who do want to have those audio tools on uh, on ubuntu you know until we know pipewire becomes available studio is great for learning what's possible in the music and video world with the linux environment because those tools if you're a new user you're not going to know the names of them and those things but they've got it all pre-installed and listed there they do a really good job with that so jill for time we've got a bunch more to cover how was your experience Mm -hmm. with lubuntu Oh, um, I again, I love the Lubuntu Jammy Jellyfish duck Desktop. It's a beautiful jellyfish in a surreal ocean with purples and turquoises. Just really beautiful and they classic great looking. on all of the wallpapers this I morning. know. All, all of really... the distros I tried, the wallpapers were outstanding. Yeah, same here. Yeah. And I really do love the minimalism and beauty of the Lubuntu LXQT Desktop. And this, the, but one of the the big differences in this release, uh, the twenty two point oh four, it uses the the Calamari's installer and not the default Ubuntu installer, which Good I was choice. really surprised. I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> Calamari's nice. is superior. That's great. 
and and it and it fits uh, Lubuntu's uh, clean aesthetic. It, it's a it's a cleaner, quite a more more modern and minimal installer, and it, and it works with the lightweight LXQT, and it also has KDE's Plasma Pla, Plasma's Discover Software Manager, and in this version, which is a really nice touch. It makes it really easy to install software. Yeah, with Lubuntu, it doesn't have scaling, so it's not really good on the 4K monitors. But I still love the desktop, and I'm going to keep this version installed on uh, one of the laptops I installed it on, a ThinkPad. Gotcha. Nice. I I think that Lubuntu, I tried Lubuntu as well. So real quick, I mentioned that I was assigned Kubuntu and Ubuntu Studio, and also that I tried others. I tried many of them, mm-hmm. I think a total of six of them. And so I, I did also try Lubuntu. Your teacher's pet this week. Apparently, I'm, I'm yeah. overdoing it, I think. I gave you homework, and you just you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. You overachieved. But, so Lubuntu Yay. worked great for me, but I had the exact same issue with the 4K monitor. Uh, unfortunately, it lacks any kind of scaling, much less fractional scaling. So the only solution I had was to lower the resolution. And once I did that, it, did, it was usable at that point. But again, the whole thing about like, I want the pixels that I have available to use to me. So that's just my preference. But Lubuntu overall is fantastic. And I do like the fact that you pointed out the KDE Discover store being there mm-hmm. because that is very nice that there's more, multiple distributions and also more, multiple um, desktop environments using that store because the more yeah. distros using it, the better it's going to be because more people get to experience it and try it out and submit suggestions of how to improve it and all that. So that is fantastic. Yeah. And I also really appreciate that Lubuntu, you know, it's low on resources. And in fact, I installed it on, a, on an old ThinkPad that only had four gigabyte, gigabytes of RAM. And it worked beautifully on that. And a lot of the other distros would have too, Ubuntu Mate and uh, Zubuntu. But Lubuntu was just really snappy on it because <laughs> yeah. it's the, the lowest Something of all the flavors. Very yeah. Little. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, now, Michael, you tried one more, and yeah. you had to use Duolingo or one of those to uh, <laughs> brush up on the <laughs> Chinese in order to utilize it. But you tried Ubuntu Kylin. I did. Yeah. Uh, I was. I was told that this is also pronounced Ubuntu Chillin. I have no idea, so I'm going to go mm-hmm. with. I'm going to say that, and also Kylin, because I have no idea. And this is a very interesting desktop and, and experience overall, and it looks really nice. There's a lot of polish to it. But like Ryan said, it's in Chinese, so I understood nothing. Well, there's actually a couple words that were randomly in English. I was like, oh, desktop. I get that one. Perfect. <laughs> but the file manager looks nice. It has got a really cool translucent effect and uh, on the sidebar. And it also has like this really nice overview in terms of like the menu has the ability to do uh, a really nice looking old style hybrid with a modern feel, but you can full screen it into like this big uh, full screen menu system, which is really nice and you can customize it and change configurations and it's really cool. It also feels similar to KDE Plasma. I know it's different, it's the UK UI, but it it does have a very familiar experience with uh, Plasma. And I think it's a combination of KDE elements and Mate elements. So I'm not sure how that, that worked, but that's how that's what I think UK UI is because I remember if I recall correctly I remember them talking about that sort of approach. But one thing I really appreciate is the fact that it did detect 
that I was using 4K. So it started off as 1080p, mm -hmm. saw that I was using 4K, okay. and it made an adjustment. Now, I initially thought that it was adjusting itself to be a scaling adjustment, but what it did was change the resolution to, to uh, closer to 1080p, if not 1080p. But well, that's it, not the kind of adjustment we're looking for. Yeah, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was It was still that they, they noticed that I wanted it. It was a, something. I couldn't yeah. read it. But it was, it was kind of funny because um, I couldn't tell exactly what changed because I couldn't read anything. <laughs> of course. Because it was in another language. Because it's in a different language, yeah. yeah. Well, you keep brushing up on your Chinese I will. and then give <laughs> it another try. Until then, you also tried Ubuntu Vanilla, which I did too. Because I was having an interesting experience with the flavors, like I mentioned, with some bugginess yeah. and things that I wasn't expecting. So I was like, let me just try Ubuntu Vanilla. And my experience there was completely different. I had no problems with scaling in the 4K monitors. There was no auto detection, mm -hmm. but I was able to change things and move my monitors around in the vertical horizontal. No lockups, no bugs, no issues there. The store worked fine. Everything seemed to operate as intended there. I mean, it's what do you say about Ubuntu vanilla? It's like it's Ubuntu vanilla. It's it works. Yeah. It's, it's good. Pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. And I tested it also as soon as it dropped. And it, it, it is as almost every Ubuntu release in the last 10 years, it works. It's stable. It works. Yeah. Hmm. Anything particular stand out to you with the Ubuntu vanillas? Like what? Well, the majority of the experience is quite good. And I, I did change the fractional scaling like you talked about, and it worked just fine. No big issue there. It also had the different monitors uh, scaling between each monitor, which I have a 1080p monitor and a 4K monitor. So when I do global scaling, it's kind of awkward. But with the Ubuntu approach, because they're using GNOME 42 and Wayland, it allowed it to be you know independent, which is really nice. I will say that it didn't really have a polish. It kind of felt like some stuff was rigid. Like, for example, there it's cool that they have a dark mode and a light mode thanks to the GNOME 42 changes, but I was kind of disappointed that you either have everything light or everything dark. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in the light mode, your uh, on-screen keyboard, which I activated because I have a touchscreen on the laptop just because I wanted to play with it, it's always light. And the only way to make it dark was to turn everything dark. For But not everybody would want that. And I just kind of felt like it'd be better to see a You're hybrid like Goldilocks approach. and the Three Little Bears. You know, the porridge here is okay, too okay. hot. The porridge here is too <laughs> cold. Michael wants the porridge in the middle. Okay, fair enough. But I will say there was one thing that kind of annoyed me that I think is legitimate. And that is because I have a bunch of drives in my computer the sidebar of the dock was covered in unmounted drives. And that's not a problem. Mm. I'm okay with that because I would probably want to mount those drives. The issue I had is that I could not adjust anything from the dock. When I right-clicked the dock, it uh, gave me nothing. It, it did nothing. So in order to make adjustments of whether I see those drives or not, I had to do like six or seven different steps going through the system settings and the control panel and then going. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of thing was a little bit annoying. So hopefully they take this as a suggestion to improve that. So really just let me right-click the dock and open that particular settings tool, and that would be enough. It was just that I had to, one, it was six or seven steps. But more yeah. importantly, too, I didn't know that at first. So I had to dig to find where the problem, where the solution was. And then once That's I found fun. it. Yeah. What did exactly. you think about the community maintained free and open source software repository being turned off by default? Were you excited about that? 
<laughs> I was not excited about that. Because I wasn't excited about it either. It's interesting that you brought that up because uh-huh. I did want to talk about that particular thing. Uh, there, It was kind of weird that the... The, the I understand a little bit why the multiverse is not active because it has some like maybe copyright legal issues for it not to be yeah. there. But the regular community repo, which is called Universe, that was not active by default. And it I don't know why because every... You get uh, snaps instead. That's pretty much what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> because when you activate that repo, then you now have the option to install a deb inside of this, the software store. But otherwise, everything's a snap. So maybe that's why I'm not going to assume because you know what they say about assuming, but I did notice that all the flavors had the community repo active by default, which is nice. So, you know, just put that out there. Overall, the experience was totally good and I don't have Mm -hmm. many, you know, major complaints or anything. Just a few here and there for polish that like that sidebar on the, on the dock was a little bit annoying. Little things there. Okay. So out of the distros you tried, which is the one that you would run as your daily driver if you were, you know, forced to? So, Michael, which one out of all the distros did you try? Like, this is going to be a hard question. This is ridiculous. I could answer for him. I'm Michael. It's Kubuntu. Like, I mean, I know the answer already, Michael. It's Kubuntu, isn't it? <laughs> that is ridiculous that you would make such an assumption, okay? <laughs> Maybe I have variety, okay? Maybe I would try something else, but it. I'll just answer your question. It was Kubuntu. Kubuntu. Yes. Shocking. (laughs) Shocking. Uh, Man, people were on the edge of their seats with that one. Maybe Ubuntu Studio as well, because, you know, I do kind of want to play with the audio stuff, and it's also Plasma, so that helps. (laughs) All right. Jill, which one would you use as your daily driver out of the Uh, ones you tried? Yes. uh, Ubuntu Mate. And um, although I have used all of them (laughs) one time or another, I've been using Ubuntu Mate as a base for my broadcasting rig for. at least four years. What can I? What can I say? Uh, I love the Debian base of Ubuntu and ease of access to software. Yes, Debs are everywhere, and Debian support supports older hardware, which I have a lot in my hardware museum. Right. Yeah. So Mate, it is. Uh, yeah, Mate, it is. Very nice. Yeah, but I I was impressed by Lubuntu. I was impressed by it, this new version. Jill can't be mean. Jill can't be <laughs> yeah. not nice with everything. Lubuntu does it does have some benefits, and I do like the LXQ usage. So I am looking yes. forward to what they're going to do with that. So Ryan, I think the same thing can be said to you about you. You know, not being not able. True. To I choose. would use Arch. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, you that would. not one of that's our choices. Not, that's here. not right now you're using okay, Endeavor, which we all love. Fedora. <laughs> so. so the option is, you asked the question, Ryan, out of the distros we've tried for this show to review the yes. Ubuntu or kind of do an overview of the Ubuntu, the Ubuntu flavors and whatnot, what would you use as a gotcha. daily driver? Uh, Endeavor OS. That is a good <laughs> Ryan, you have to answer your own question. All so right. let's try it again. Um, One more right. time. Listen, um, uh, I don't have good reading comprehension, so it took me a minute to understand what you're asking. <laughs> okay. All right. So good. I guess out of the All two right. that I tried there, I would definitely do Zubuntu because I love XFCE. I love the work Sean Davis and the team does there. I think yeah. overall, even though there were some scaling things, you could get over it. And the overall feel of xfce feels like home to me always when i'm in it so zubuntu would be the one i would use that make that makes sense that makes sense yeah i i think that there is a lot of great stuff that all the different flavors can do 
But it does kind of make sense that the ones that we like the most are the ones that we expected to nostalgia. like the most. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There's nostalgia tied to a lot of it, too. So after spending time with the Ubuntu flavors, here's the next level of this question. Are you considering Are you considering running one of these now that you've been in the Ubuntu world, you were playing with it this weekend, this week? Did you think to yourself, hey, I kind of want to switch to this. I'm really digging the experience. Michael, are you considering running one of these flavors full time on a production machine? Not especially. I mean, I if, if there was going to be anything I would be doing, it would be Kubuntu, and I have run Kubuntu on production a lot. However, I've been really a fan of Fedora lately. I've been using it for a little bit over a year and a half, and... Jeez, can we get through an episode with you mentioning Fedora? It's ridiculous, Michael. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Whatever you say, Archman. So, this is... <laughs> so, I would say that if uh, some of these distributions... Uh, I would be willing to try out longer term, but in terms of production stuff, and I, I'm still on the Fedora side. However, m- it's partly because of the lack of PyWire support. If Ubuntu yes, had PyWire support, that would make it a lot more intriguing for me personally. To me, it's hardware enablement is an issue with Ubuntu. I've been on that hill for a while, so I'm not going to step on it any more than just saying it's a problem, how long it takes hardware enablement to happen in the Ubuntu family. Number two, lack of pipe wire, lack of Wayland by default, scaling issues to boot all over the place with a lot of the flavors to me made it so that this is not something I would put on any of my production machines at this point, which is surprising because there was a time where I would put nothing else on my machine but an Ubuntu flavor. Uh, But things have not really progressed in my opinion. Looking at this, again, just my opinion, my experience in the hardware that I have, enough with Ubuntu's in the desktop arena to make them something I would be interested in running full-time. Jill, the question for you is kind of cheating because you already run it on a production machine. Yeah. But did you want to run more Ubuntu on more machines after this experience, or are you happy with the setup you got? Well, I'm definitely going to use... Uh, Lubuntu um, on on one of my main laptops I use because I was really loving it and it was nice to revisit it again and see um, how it's progressed and how nice it is and I also usually run Ubuntu Budgie on one of my laptops my laptop in fact I use for remote podcasting Mm-hmm. Um, so I have the 20.04 release, which is beautiful and stable. So I, I'm sure, you know, by the point release, they're probably going to clean up a lot of the bugs in yeah. 22.04. So that will get installed soon on that machine. But what I want to say, honestly, is like I said earlier, I use Ubuntu um, as a base. And because honestly, mostly I run the lighter X window managers like Windowmaker, Ice WM, Afterstep, Flexbox, and even TWM and Rat Poison. So <laughs> I'm old school. I run all the old, uh, <laughs> older uh, Unix uh, X window managers. So and that's and, a perfect and, base, really, for yes, that type of stuff. It, yeah, it is sense. because and because it runs on all my older hardware. Right. Although I love Fedora, I love Arch, I love all the distros, and I have them installed on many machines. I'm sorry, what did you say after Fedora? What did you say after Fedora? (laughs) She said Arch was I. 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 (laughs) 
<laughs> just checking, Jill. Continue. I love Endeavor too. Yeah. I love so honestly all the distros. And for me, again, because I only need uh, you know the Linux base, and then I put the window managers I want to use on top of them. It doesn't really matter what version of Linux. Right. I'm no, in. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I also nice. want to do a quick honorable mention to the Ubuntu Budgie thing. I do think if they fix that 4K issue, Ubuntu Budgie yeah. would, be yeah. it would be solid. So solid. It's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. I, Ubuntu I think it Budgie looks, looks so gorgeous. <laughs> mm-hmm. That one actually would have tempted me if that bug wasn't there with the menu to install that on one of my right. production machines full time. It would have been a whole yeah. temptation because that desktop environment is so unique, so well done. So modern looking, that would have been a temptation for me for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Also in the live chat, we got a comment that I thought was pretty interesting. I wanted to include it on the show is that, so Michael, Fedora, KDE, Plasma, Ryan, Arch. Wow, my destination Linux bingo card is filling up quick. (laughs) (laughs) You need to turn that into a drinking game, by the way, and you'll have way more fun listening to the show, not just bingo. Very nice. Well, you know what worked perfectly on every flavor, Michael? Every flavor I tried, this software worked amazing, was Bitwarden. Oh, nice. Of course, of course. Bitwarden worked worked perfect in all the Ubuntu flavors. No issues with scaling, no issues with anything. And they happen to be a sponsor of Destination Linux. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. Notice that change, slash tux. So you got to remember that, bitwarden.com slash tux. A password manager is software that allows you to have peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you with the tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords for you, even automatically fill those passwords out in the forms and websites that you're on. Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your device so you know you're the only person with access to your data. And for $10 a year, just $10 a year, you can get their premium account, which includes a gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, Priority Customer Support, and so much more. And guess what? This weekend, I had a family member come over to the house, and they were wanting to get set up with some new equipment that they had, and they gave me the password to log into their machine. And my first question to them is, please tell me this is not the password you use everywhere. And they looked with that face like, uh, guilty. And so I introduced them to Bitwarden, got it on their, it was so easy to introduce this to them and get it on their phones, on their laptops, everything else. And we went through and changed their passwords to very complex passwords, all the bank sites and everything else, and really gave them a whole new life when it comes to security with not only their personal stuff, but their business. And now with Bitwarden, you can have two accounts and flip between those within it. So Bitwarden just keeps adding more and more amazing features out there. And it's so worth it at $10 a year to support this amazing company. So go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. So in the news this week, it's like, Michael, the world just wants to make you happy and smile, I guess. Yes. Perfect. You know, just this plasma Katie stuff all the time. The bingo cards are filling up, as we heard from the audience. They're about to get filled up again because Plasma Mobile Gear 22.04 has released and they have some amazing features in here. For instance, being able to switch home screens with now adding animations and things in it as well. The media player now supporting concurrent streams. So now you can have multiple nice. streams going in. This is a very important mm-hmm. feature that I use quite often with my device. Uh, Tacodin is a client for Mastodon, 
and they've done some enhancements to that API, allowing you to interact with accounts, follow, block, mute other Mastodon users. That's one of the amazing features of Mastodon. You've got a Fediverse, everybody's there. You can have discourse if you want, but if you don't want discourse, you can turn people off. That's kind of cool. And now you can do that within this app. They also have calendar with a K, of course. Of course. Yes. That, that's actually Why a good wouldn't one. We? Okay, sometimes the K names are kind of yeah. ridiculous, but <laughs> calendar is what it should have been called in the first place. I think that's a good decision. So that's okay. Calendar also, I think they should change their KML app to Caramel. Just think about it. <laughs> Anyway. Wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> the Caramel Conky app? <laughs> You've got things like Action Drawer now being able to be opened from the lock screen with restricted permissions. There's so many cool things out there. If you want to check out Plasma Mobile, then check out part Postmarket OS as one of your options there. Michael, I mean, you have to be pumped. Imagine a world in which you could carry KDE Plasma with you everywhere. Yay. I mean, you're making an assumption that I'm automatically going to be interested in this. And you're right. <laughs> of course I am. So right. I, there's a lot of cool stuff about this Plasma Mobile thing. When they first announced it, I was so excited. And I have played with it on one of my devices. And, well, this was also a little while back. So it's mm -hmm. something that at the time was not ready for usage. But what's really cool about this, the Plasma Mobile gear and... I, I was really curious about what was the difference between the Plasma Mobile gear and the regular KDE gear. So I contacted some developers for Plasma Mobile and developers for KDE in general and asked them what exactly is the difference. And they said essentially it's because Plasma Mobile moves faster because mobile moves faster than desktop. So it's, I actually didn't think that four months of a new release of KDE gear was that slow, but apparently it was. So KDE gear moves at four uh, every four months and Plasma Mobile Gear moves every month. So four times nice. faster. So they, they iterate a lot more. So the Tokadon uh, project is also included in that. But also uh, NeoChat, which is the, the Matrix client, is a part of the Plasma Mobile Gear. So that's really cool to see because NeoChat is something I've been looking at for a while. And it has a lot of potential to be a replacement for Element because it has mm -hmm. so many great features. And I can't wait to you know play with it more and more as it comes out. And now that it comes once a month, I now have something to look forward to every single month with the new Plasma Mobile Gear releases. Yeah, we were challenged with the mobile area from some of our listeners after we did some of our app picks. And they asked us, hey, go get some of these mobile devices and these mobile open source Linux uh, phones and, and operating systems and distros and try them out. And we want to get your impressions on using them more full time. So... Michael and myself and Jill, we're all going to be trying some of these different mobile operating systems and seeing if there's mm -hmm. any that are viable for not just personal use, but personal and business combined. Because for me, I can't just use a phone and it's for, you know, Michael to call me. Like I have real important calls, very important emails. Are you saying very that my calls apps. are not important? They're <laughs> very important, but if I missed Rude. one, you know, like I wouldn't miss like ability to make a living. So I have to have fair. something that's very that's stable, fair. very stable. And yeah. uh, so we will be checking that stuff out though. Yay. And, you know, Plasma Mobile is actually a very beautiful and smooth OS. And honestly, I think one of the nicest and most polished of the Linux-based phone OSs. And I actually installed it way back in 2015 on my Nexus 5 phone. And I was impressed by it then because it was, it was so smooth. A lot of things didn't work yet, but it, it was smooth. And I said, this has potential. 
Yeah, it was also only made by one person at the time, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm looking forward to running uh, Plasma Mobile with Plasma Mobile gear. I think it's yeah. going to be cool. Yeah. And if there are, if you're already using Plasma Mobile, let us know in the forums and things. Give us some screenshots. Let us know how you're liking it. What are some of the good things? What are some of the issues? I'd love to hear from those who are using it full time. Mm-hmm. So, Jill, in our gaming section, is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> wow. That was yes. a good one, right? I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to have to explain so, that really quick. Yeah, we'll have to <laughs> explain. So, so what Ryan is pre- referring to, we're going to talk about this week is called Citrus Rampage. <laughs> And on Steam, the game describes itself like this. Call up your buddies and enjoy the acidic chaos of Citrus Rampage, (laughs) a physics-based multiplayer shooter with silly guns and destructible environments. Play with up to four players in local multiplayer or online using Steam Remote Play Together. Your friends don't need to own the game to play online with you. But Jill, let me ask you, aren't you worried Michael might beat you in this? Yes. Aren't you? Except except that. Wow. What is (laughs) that we've traded places? You're doing the dad jokes now. What is going on? I can't help myself. This game is so ridiculous. Citrus Rampage. I love it. Ridiculous in a good way. In a good way. Just for that, Ryan, I'm going to play the orange and scare you with a chicken gun. Oh, man, that's terrifying. Things and nightmares, you know, keep me up at night. Chicken gun. So, yeah, you play as characters like a lemon, a lime, an orange. There's a pineapple. (laughs) And you have really fun uh, guns you can use, like a Gatling gun. You can blow blow people up with fireworks. Uh, You can use banana guns. (laughs) What's really cool about this is that I also noticed that there is some extra modes so if you want yeah. to, you can play volleyball and soccer it's in soccer. this game. So that's absurd. And I look forward to destroying Ryan because he is uh he's always just he's so he's so out of lime sometimes that I oh need my to gosh. <laughs> You know, your your attitude right now is really acidic. It 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 might be. It might be. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's really fun because you can use physics based to have havoc to kill enemies as you destroy the surrounding environment and you avoid traps and triggers which trigger them intentionally to surprise and eliminate your opponents aka Ryan and Michael. <laughs> Whoa, Jill. Is that wow. a, are you throwing down a challenge there? Are we yeah. going to have a citrus rampage challenge? Yes. Right. I see what you're going down there. And, and you collect power-ups from the invulnerable <laughs> to change the flow of time, which is a really cool mechanic, or to run faster to beat your opponents. <laughs> and you can play the classic team deathmatch and capture the flag mode, or enjoy the funny kick-and-kill soccer mode, or prove you are the best volleyball player. Very so. nice. This game <laughs> looks like fun. stupid fun. And when we say the terms ridiculous and absurd... We mean it in loving way, yeah. most loving yeah. way possible. I think they are fully aware that they, this is kind of a silly game, but yeah. that's that's the fun thing about it. Like Games don't have to be all intense and serious. They can be just ridiculous fun, and I think yeah. it fits that quite well. And, and this is a fun party game, and uh, a lot of the reviews say this is a great game to play with friends. 
Yeah. And it's only $4.99 on Steam and native to Linux from day one. Oh, and there's actually a free demo available with the the kick and soccer mode that I had fun playing. Four ninety nine. <laughs> what appeal? Yeah. What appeal? I, I hope when I beat you, Ryan, I hope you don't have any sour grapes from this. Yeah. Oh, oh, well done, well done. I've walked in to challenge Michael and his dad jokeism. Well played, <laughs> this is a sir. modern interpretation of, of that that using the banana gun is the modern interpretation of the gorillas uh, game we were talking about yeah. earlier from DOS. It's perfectly nice. that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> go check out this amazing Citrus Rampage game, and Jill has challenged us, so we will have to meet Jill up in this <laughs> challenge and show her who's boss when it comes to the fruits, the magical fruits. But our software spotlight this week is Glow. Glow is a terminal-based markdown reader designed from the ground up to bring out the beauty and power of the CLI. Use it to discover markdown files, read documentation directly in the command line, and stash markdown files to your private collection so you can read them anywhere. Glow will find local markdown files in subdirectories or local Git repository. By the way, all the data stashed is encrypted end-to-end. Only you can decrypt it, which is quite amazing. Jill, we use Markdown mm-hmm. everywhere with this show. All of our notes, which can be yeah. 14 pages long for a single episode, <laughs> is all done in Markdown. Markdown is very important. I use it also in standard notes for all my note-taking. Glow mm-hmm. is a very cool tool, but you've used it longer than me. Tell me about yeah. Glow and what you use it for. Yeah, so I installed it, um, found out about it back in January, and I use Glow to access and read my backups of the markdown files of our Destination Linux show notes and to, to go through them and, and see what topics we've covered before. And I, I just use it for organizing and, uh, you know, searching and, and finding out uh, what we've uh, talked about. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a well done app that you don't have to, you can go look at the instructions, but I was able to navigate and look through the directories to find out what markdown files I had saved in certain directories and everything without even looking at what are the shortcuts that I have to use to switch to this mode or do this thing. It's, it's a really well designed app. I like yeah. It. And what's really beautiful about why it's called Glow is because the text glows neon colors. Like and there's a neon pink and there's a neon orange. It's really, it's easy to read in the terminal. Yeah. And that's Very another cool. reason I like it. I haven't had a chance to try out Glow because I was doing all those Ubuntu flavor testing. Yeah. <laughs> but I am a huge fan of Markdown. And I think yeah. that anytime I see a new Markdown application, I am excited to play with it. because And this, this one looks really nice to be able to have a terminal application that also looks good. Those aren't very common. So that's really nice to see that. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that is cool is the tip of the week. And this week, we're going to be talking about Netstat. You might be wondering, what is Netstat? Well, it's the combination of the words network and statistics. It allows you to get information on your, on various network connections, and it's quite powerful with a lot of different switches that you can combine and use in various different ways to get insights of your system. It's also considered an essential tool for troubleshooting networks, so it's a good thing to learn for those who want to get into that space. You will need to install NetTools or Net-Tools in order to use this command, but we're going to give you just a few switches to check out, and you can dig in more if you'd like to. So there's netstat space tac a or dash a will list all ports and connections regardless of their state or protocol. Uh, dash a t will just if you just want to list all TCP ports. A u if you want to list all UDP ports, and uh, dash i to see t- transactions receiving and transferring packets in the kernel interface table. 
there are many other things you can do, many more powerful switches. I love combining watch. You can combine watch Mm -hmm. with Netstat, those two commands together, and then you can watch in real time connections and things that are happening within your network. Like this is a really fundamental, fun tool to learn. And then if you ever want to get into pen testing and stuff, like you got to learn Netstat. You just got Mm -hmm. to. Very true. So if you want to learn more about it, we'll have some more details in the show notes. I have something really exciting to share with all of you. So we've talked about the events that are happening this year. Thanks to Durhans, he gives us a list of them. One is scale. This is happening in person and virtual July 28th through the 31st. You know you to look for the penguin and you're going to (laughs) find Jill. You look for the abnormally tall person and you're going to see Michael. Now, once you find one of them, look down and you will see me because all of us will be there at scale. Yes. 28th through the 31st. So it's going to be awesome. If you've never been to scale or you go to scale every year, this is the year to attend because the entire Destination Linux crew is going to be there. We're going to have little things to give away, little trinkets Mm -hmm. and stuff to fill bags with. But most of all, we just want to meet people and attend the different talks and everything and get to see Jill in person for the first time because we have never met. Despite doing this show, despite (laughs) all of our love for Jill, we've never been able to meet her in person. So this will be the first time all of us will be together at an event. That's July 28th through the 31st. It's going to be absolutely amazing. We can't wait to see you all there. We hope everyone goes to scale now. Jill, are you happy? Oh, I am so happy. The first thing I'm going to do is hug you and Michael. It's, it's, just, it's like a dream come true. We're finally going to get to meet each other in person. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to be amazing. One of the best events, Linux events in the world. It's incredible. <laughs> well, Jill's quite a bit more famous than us, so our job will be to be bodyguards for Jill. No! If you think exactly. you're just going to run up on Jill and get an autograph, you're mistaken, because <laughs> we're going to protect Jill. Yeah, that's what we're going there for. <laughs> But this will be amazing to see all of you. I cannot wait to experience this. So again, scale, consider going, make plans for it. You've got till July 28th uh, to make your plans and show up at scale. We will all be there together. It's going to be an amazing time. And during that week, we're going to do all kinds of filming and things. Mm -hmm. We even bought special cameras, me and Michael already, to do that. So we won't have a normal Destination Linux show that week because we're all going to be there at scale. But we are going to be uploading videos and videos of Mm -hmm. us meeting and hanging out in the talk tracks and that type of stuff. And we'll have our booth connected with the Linux chicks, which is just going to be awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Yes. So we'll have a booth as well uh, (laughs) shared with them. All right. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at DLNlive.com. The best part. Everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week. We also have our glorious patrons with us in the 60,000 square foot virtual stadium, and they get to join us every week after the show in the patron-only post-show. There's also unedited versions because we do edit the show after we're finished recording it, and then that's when we publish. That's that's how podcast works. And we, <laughs> But if you want to be a patron, you can get the unedited version of the show and join us in the patron-only post show by going to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to sign up, and you can use Patreon or sponsors, and both of those links are going to be at tuxdigital.com slash contribute. Also, you need to check out the store. We have uh, all kinds of great swag, T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, 
you know you're going to want gear to go to the fest, to go to scale. You're going to want destination oh, Linux yeah. gear. If you're going to be at scale, you need to make sure you have some D, some D, some uh, DL merch because that way we can identify you and yeah, you will know that you are yes. a true fan of the show and that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So Plus, be sure to do that. Plus, the worst mistake one of the fans told me, a big fan of Jill's made, is they showed up to Jill without a destination Linux shirt and she went and talked to them. Exactly. Oh, okay, maybe no. that's the exaggeration but no go, i heard it too i heard it too if you happen. don't get the merch jill just yeah. doesn't talk to you at all because <laughs> you know like if if, if you don't want 33 percent more jill then she don't want 30 33 percent of you <laughs> we're teasing jill will talk to you regardless of course because yes. jill is nice jill will of course talk to you but, but you should also, go to the store.com you should still go to the store again <laughs> Make sure to check out all our amazing shows here on Text Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and Linux Saloon on Saturday nights. So everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Wait, Michael. Before you do the outro, I have to say something about Linux Saloon. So we were talking to Nate earlier, and we did this amazing, because of Wendy, amazing episode of Hardware Addicts talking about cyberpunking yourself. Oh, and this is talking about implantable episode. tech. Right. And yeah. Nate said that he almost broke his phone listening to the episode because of all the emotions of happiness and sadness and, and yeah. just wanting to scream through the phones at us about this episode. Well, apparently he took it, the content of the hardware addicts onto Linux Saloon yesterday, and they had a fantastic discussion about the latest Hardware Addicts episode. So number one, check out the Hardware Addicts episode of Cyberpunk Yourself, where we talk about implantable tech, and are you ready to take mm -hmm. that dive? I think you'll be surprised at some of the statistics of the amount of people that are. And number two, the Linux Saloon covering that topic for all of the community. I cannot wait to go back and listen to see what people had to say about that. Yeah, that, I'm, that's going to be so cool. Also, we Nate told us that someone on the show uh, also has implantable tech, so that's going to be really interesting to check that out too. So yes, go check out Hardware Addicts and Linux Saloon. Links in the show notes, but also TuxDigital.com. That's where links mm -hmm. to everything is right now, so go to TuxDigital.com to get everything. And everybody have a great week, and remember that the journey itself is just as important as a destination. Destination, destination, destination. destination. destination.